Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing Locked Hearts and Hand Grenades, the sixth episode of season three, which was written by James Stodoro and Chad Fiveash, directed by Marina Grabiak. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. And originally aired on the WB on November 9th, 2005. And let's talk a little bit about Marita Grabiak. Apparently she was very grouchy, according to this uh, this particular episode of Drama Queens. But you know what? We don't care. We are still going to amplify her work because it's hard to be a woman in Hollywood, okay? That is true. <laughs> but that was funny that they mentioned that <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> yeah, it was apparently during like the whole like rapid spitfire uh, moment at the toward the end of the episode and she just got like really frustrated because they couldn't like nail the comedic time in but whatever this woman still continues to work tonight even though this is her last episode of one tree hill (laughs) (laughs) well that's good at least (laughs) anyway um some of her credits include 911 and 911 lone star which is which are two shows i love quite a bit american horror story smallville cold case battlestar galactica law and order special victims unit and alias so shout out to brie leach and jess kohler host of a simple alias podcast go listen to them this is a free ad (laughs) 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 and uh there's a couple shows that i know you're interested in as well caitlin uh she also directed episodes of everwood lost dawson's creek and gilmore girls oh dang really yes she did she has had quite a career Yeah, and some shows I care about. She directed episodes of Angel and Buffy, and more specifically... Oh my gosh. (laughs) Kaylin's, like, mouth just, like, got, like, really wide. Like, she was more excited than I am, it seemed like. She still needs to watch Buffy, but, you know, I'm really happy that she's excited about this. Shut up! Um... But more specifically, and I thought this was really cool, uh, she actually directed the season seven episode of Buffy, Storyteller, which was the episode I guested on of Buffer and the Vampire Slayer. I thought that sounded familiar. (laughs) (laughs) So, little fun fact right there. And again, if you haven't listened to that episode of Buffer and the Vampire Slayer, go uh, check it out. But yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. Small world right there. That really is. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yes. Thanks for all your tidbits today. Yes, we're still going to amplify her, even though she is grouchy. We don't care, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Always and forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Brooke apologizes to Lucas about how she reacted the other night and admits that she has feelings for him. Lucas tells her that she needs to let him be that guy for her. Lucas also tells Brooke about the fantasy basketball league that he's organizing, which gives Brooke the idea to organize a fantasy boy draft in order to control her cheerleading team that is fighting over the same boys. The girls randomly select a draft pick number out of a bag, and on the night of the draft, they will get to choose the boy that they would like to date all school year. If anyone is unhappy with their pick, they may trade with someone else. And if someone does not follow the rules, then Brooke will spill all the dirt she has on them. Prior to the draft, Brooke makes things complicated by strategizing to screw over Rachel. Even though Brooke really wants Lucas, she plans to choose Chris Keller since that's who Rachel is supposedly going to pick. 
Haley plans to pick Lucas for Brooke, because Peyton claims she's going to pick Nathan to spite Haley. Once the draft begins... Peyton gets first pick and ends up choosing Mouth. Brooke gets second pick and chooses Chris Keller. Bevan and Rachel switch draft numbers, so Rachel picks Lucas. Haley picks Nathan. And Bevan picks Skills. Oh boy, things did not go as planned for Brooke. In other news, Haley works with Chris and continues to struggle with her music because things are not yet resolved with Nathan. Karen and Dan continue to campaign for mayor. Karen's small campaign signs pale in comparison to Dan's huge campaign truck that he parks right in front of the cafe. When Dan releases a commercial of Karen throwing a chair through his office window, Karen pays off the truck owner to remove it from outside the cafe. Whitey punishes the basketball team for the fight at Midnight Madness and requires the players to run suicides at practice all week. Lucas lags behind at practice and tries to make up for it by practicing even more on his own. Haley threatens to tell Whitey about Lucas's heart condition if he doesn't do it first. Dreaming of touching the skills, Hills. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. And scoping out a guy for the fantasy boy draft using my scouting report, I'm Caitlin Illinich. <laughs> so who would you have drafted at this point in time? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I mean, I guess Lucas. Typical, typical. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a toss up between Lucas and Nathan. What okay. about you? So, you know, as you can tell by my intro, I'm actually really enjoying skills in this episode. And one of the things that was kind of like a throwaway line, apparently skills has been spending a lot of time at the art center with gifts and kids. Did you see the scene where he's talking to Lucas and skills says like, oh, Luke, man, I didn't know you were even at this school anymore. And then Lucas is like, you got to spend, stop spending so much time in the art center with all those gifts and kids. And it's, that's it. It's <laughs> just thrown there. I'm like, I want to know more about what Skills is doing with this time. Oh my gosh. I like didn't pay attention to that as usual. <laughs> like little throwaway lines like that, I guess I don't pick up on. But that one, wow. That's so random. But that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to know a little bit more about like what's like Skills, what are you up to, my dude? He hasn't been around. Like when was the last time he was around? I, I honestly can't even tell you. It may have been during Nathan's movie night. But it, it may have been, like, such an inconsequential moment that he wasn't even featured on screen heavily. Maybe we'll be seeing more of him. I want to. I like seeing skills and scenes. Exactly. He is fascinated. But that's for a future time. Let's talk about the episode right now. And this episode is titled After a Saw by Plan A Projects. Do you want to take the reins on this, Caitlin? <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> so we couldn't find lyrics to the song, and it was really difficult to figure out what was being said. Is this considered heavy metal? Uh, I Is don't it think so. Screamo? I don't really. I don't know music genres. It's not heavy metal, but it's like I don't know. <laughs> we yeah, we're like, not good at music, and I'm definitely not good at classifying music. Yeah. Yes, but it was so funny. Like, uh, so Caitlin uh, texted me last night. At this point, I haven't even listened to the song. And Caitlin was just like, uh, I heard the song. What are we going to do about this? Because I don't understand what they're saying. I'm like, I haven't listened to it yet. Then I listened to it late last night. And I'm like, I, I don't get it. And I know Eddie Munson is coming after us right now, screaming, this is music! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Was that your reference? Yes. Shortly before recording, I told Caitlin, I'm like, I have a pop culture reference to make. And it's going to be super planned and you're going to understand it. And I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how to classify, but it's some kind of rock. Sure. A rock of some sort. <laughs> it's it's definitely, it's, it's rocking. Um. <laughs> And if you love this song and you have your own analysis of it, please, like, let us know. <laughs> reach, reach out to us on social media or the Discord server for patrons. Anyway, let's talk just specifically about the title, then. Um, these are literally my notes. The locked hearts represent the, that people are holding back. And I wrote that hand grenades are explosive because this episode is explosive. Yeah, those are basically my thoughts. <laughs> And uh, the characters have locked hearts from holding back their true intentions. Yeah, I think the title makes sense with the episode because you're right. Characters are holding back, especially Brooke. She just won't be honest with what she wants. And it's honestly so frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So her heart is locked, even though like she knows what she feels, but she can't like admit it. And fully express it. It's kind of wild. But yes, uh, that is just one example. Are there any of the other characters holding back as much as Brooke, do you think? Not really. She's the main one, I think. Yeah, because I can't really think of anyone else. Everyone else, like right now, for example, Peyton really isn't an- into anyone at all. Um, Haley is honest that she wants Nathan back. So I guess you could say Nathan's heart is locked, but... Um, uh, yeah, I was about to say that. You could argue that Nathan's, like, holding himself back from being with Haley and from being happy. Yeah, that's really the only other character. And then the hand grenades, well, when you get to the fantasy boy draft, it is explosive. <laughs> Things blow up, yes. <laughs> and that, that to me is really interesting how... Like, they all had a plan going into it, and then it backfired, and Peyton chose someone else that she wasn't planning on, which then threw every everything else off, and it spiraled out of control. So really, it was the definition of explosive, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so. See, we, we, we did okay with this analysis. Our, um, my, my 10th grade English teacher would be very, very proud of this. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> A plus, Jeremy. <laughs> A plus. Thank you so much. <laughs> you get an A plus plus. You get extra credit for actually cited actual uh, characters here. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything. Oh, it's all good. All right, let's get into the nitty gritty then. Yes. Haley and Chris. So these two are working together. I really like that uh, Chris is really trying to inspire Haley. Because you see like the wall of musicians. So what? Okay, so what is the point of that map in Karen's Cafe? Do you just put, like, musicians' names that who performed in places, or what? I think where the musician, like, originates from. Like, where oh, they were born, I guess. that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I always forget about that map. Because it's such a quick thing, and it's not really shown much. Is it shown again? Maybe it is. Maybe it's in the background. Um, this is really the only instance that I recall. Like, putting a name up there. Which, I mean, Haley's the only, the only one who would put their name up there, I guess, right now. Yeah. No one else is a <laughs> musician in the group. But, um, 
Yeah, I thought that was, and I like how she added Scott to it. Yes. At the end. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, Chris put uh, Haley's name up there. And um, Haley was like, no, my name should not be up there. And then by the end of the episode, she puts the Scott up there. And it's just a nice, heartwarming moment. Because I feel like that's her way of saying, like, Haley James Scott deserves to be up there. Because that's who I am. And this is my identity. Oh my gosh, my you just husband. took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh yeah, same person. Speaking of uh, Haley and Nathan, though, did you uh, did you catch something when the two of them are walking down the hallway together? And when Nathan... Name brand orange soda signing. Yes. We see a soda machine behind Nathan and Haley. That was the only sighting that I saw in this episode. Yeah, that's the only one I noticed as well. Which, by the way, I gotta say, because I've been going back through, like, some of the old episodes to make up some social media screenshots for our Instagram and whatnot, and there are several that we have missed in the actual spaces of the episode. Really? Yes! Oh gosh, we missed some? There's, <laughs> There's already so many! There's one in an upcoming episode, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I actually, you see the, you see the soda fountain in the background, I blurred it out. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> Because I'm keeping up with the bit. The meme I'm posting has nothing to do with the orange soda or anything. But gotta keep up with the bit. <laughs> <laughs> but Cracker Jack forever. Yes, absolutely. But seriously, though, Cracker Jack, sponsor us. <laughs> I thought it was so funny when Chris and Haley are recording or Haley's the one really singing, and Chris is kind of, like, mentoring her or guiding her or whatever. But the scene, it just cuts right away. Like, basically, she's in the middle of playing, and then Chris interrupts and says, it sucks, Haley. I mean, <laughs> it sucks so bad, I'm wondering if it's possible to unhear a song. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> he is, but he does it so well, and it's just amazing, honestly. <laughs> I just, I, I just love, love Tyler Hilton. And I love that, like, uh, I feel like he really has figured out who Chris is in this season. Because I feel like they're trying to make him into, like, this really sexy guy who happens to be an asshole. And not that Tyler Hilton is attractive, like, regardless. But I, I like that they leaned into his humor beginning with season three. And kind of at the end of season two as well. I agree. He does that really well. And I love those scenes. Even though what he said to Haley is not very nice, but... <laughs> basically it was showing how she's struggling with her music which then led them to talk about how like you ne- he- Chris was really prompting her like have you figured things out with Nathan yet and then Haley said no and Chris is basically telling her that you know your muse the success of your music and the success of your relationship are the same thing which I don't really know if I agree with that in so many words that's what he was telling her like one can't work without the other, basically. It's part yeah. of who she is. Yeah, he's basically like telling her to like uh, lead into that heartbreak so you can like produce great music, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on, it's it's worked with it's worked with musicians for like throughout history. Come on. Yeah, definitely heartbreak, uh, for sure. Does produce great music. Yes. But I feel like she can still be a good musician without that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, you can write about, like, 
happy experiences as well, or, like, empowered moments. I I mean, I don't know. We're, neither of us are in the music industry. We are not talented enough, despite the times when we sit on the podcast and we think that we are. <laughs> um, but speaking of people who think they are talented enough, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Dan running for office and some of the pranks that him and Deb play on each other. <laughs> yeah, so we see... Dan peeing in the pool right before Deb's about to go swim. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm just saying, like, she's not going to find out that he did that. So how is that even a good prank? I know. It's just going to give him the satisfaction. (laughs) I think that's the whole point, though. Like, he knows. Yeah. And it was all because uh, Deb clogged all the toilets on Dan's side of the house. So that's the only place where he could pee. (laughs) Was that the order of how things worked? I guess it was. Yeah, because he pees in the pool, and then he uh, he confronts Deb and says, like, oh, I noticed that all the toilets on my side of the house are clogged. How big is the Scott house, though? Like, do they really have two separate sides of the house where they have multiple toilets? Who knows? It, it's a big house, but it's it's really not that big of a mansion. <laughs> like, they're making it out to me. I know. I was kind of wondering that, too. Huh. But also, Deb puts laxatives in his coffee. <laughs> 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 which that uh he figures that out when he's uh confronting karen um and says like oh karen do you really think you have the resources to run for office which just goes to prove right there that you need resources to run for political office you need to be rich or else you can't win because lower level people like karen and us can't win i know this is really frustrating and the parallels that are starting to emerge <laughs> with this campaign are frightening. Yeah, with hell. Uh, <laughs> he who shall again? not be named. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm looking at the storyline, and I, I know we've touched on this already, but I am really looking at the storyline a lot differently than I ever did before. Yeah. But let's not forget, he wants to add a mass transit system, okay? And that is... (laughs) That is important. (laughs) (laughs) Whether or not I agree with his other views, now... (laughs) Traditional values, what the fuck does that mean? Anyhow. But Dan ends up putting a negative video of Karen, of uh, her throwing a chair through his window which you know taken out of context you know people will think like oh my god she's crazy but it was right after he forced himself on her yep of course he would use that of course this show is the reason why i don't trust campaign ads anymore yeah take any all those campaign i mean this should not be the only reason why you don't trust those (laughs) campaign ads they're all a joke no it's just this just this (laughs) They're this all is a what joke. made me realize the campaign sides. ads are fake. <laughs> On all sides of the political spectrum, they're a joke. But, um... Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising that he would do that. Of course, that little bit of dirt that he has on Karen, he would use that to his advantage now. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, actually before the commercial, he parked a giant truck outside the cafe, so Karen has to, like, just look at that all day. So, is that truck supposed to be there forever? I don't know how long it was supposed to be there. I can't imagine a truck could just stay on the road like that, blocking everything. Like, I just don't... Yeah, I don't really understand. But then by the end of the episode, uh, Karen, uh, 
gives the driver of that truck some coffee so the driver can put a bumper sticker behind him. But, like, I don't understand how that's really sticking it to Dan. I feel like the writers wanted us to think, oh, God, they're sticking it to Dan. But is it really? Yeah, I mean, compared to the campaign uh, commercial that he released, no. Yeah. But at least she got it out of view. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just, uh, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, the, she essentially gave the driver coffee so the car, so the truck could drive off. Okay. I mean, she was paying, basically paying them to, to take the truck away. And then on top of that, she just threw the bumper sticker on there. Ah, okay. I wasn't even thinking about the truck, like, going away, but okay, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like the idea of, like, Karen and Zeb, like, flirting with this driver to get her to drive <laughs> off. To have a little, like, you know, thruple going on. <laughs> All right, that's a little bit of a reach. Right there. <laughs> This is how I am interpreting it, Caitlin, and you know what? Just deal with it, okay? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, one other thing I wanted to say. I thought Karen's uh, campaign slogan was cute. Row, row, row your vote. Yes, it was adorable. Adorable in comparison to the headline on the newspaper, which says, Dan Scott expected to win in a dance slide. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always thought row, 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 your vote was cute. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just a shame that her posters are so tiny compared to that giant truck. <laughs> I know, exactly. But it, it just goes to show you, like, you know, her lack of resources. It could mm-hmm. cost her the election. But I just hope, just like Elizabeth Warren, Karen has a plan. I hope so, too. I mean, Karen's a busy, busy woman. She she runs two businesses and then she's pursuing mayor. Like, <laughs> that's a lot. But obviously Karen would do a much better job than Dan. That goes yeah. without saying. I mean, she's somebody I would trust at the end of the day. Uh, Karen Rowe, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh my gosh, we have to post that on like social media. Remember, remember, this is the only Karen that deserves rights or whatever. <laughs> to yes, good call back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, do you want to do you want to design like a uh, like a campaign poster? Yeah, okay, <laughs> let's we'll make this into a thing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> let's just remember to do this. <laughs> I know. I need to write it down right when we're, we're done here. <laughs> yes. Okay. But anyway, and other news, uh, Lucas Lucas's HCM is starting to affect his performance because the medication he's taken has inhibited his performance. Um, so he lies to Whitey, says that he's just out of shape, and Haley is starting to talk to Whitey, which I don't blame her. I don't either. I'm glad she's looking out for Lucas. It's a tough predicament. You know, as a friend, like, you want to protect your friend, but at the same time, like, you don't want to go above them and speak to Whitey. Like, you want Lucas to want to do that and be, right. be honest. At the, It's a tough place. I kind of think, like, if I were in, in that predicament, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, like, maybe Lucas won't forgive Haley. Maybe Lucas will be mad. But at the end of the day, it's to save his life. I know. That whole um, confrontation in the in the hallway towards the end of the episode. Well, Lucas says to Haley, Haley, you don't get it. If you tell Whitey about my heart condition, I'm off the team. And Lucas explained that being on the team 
made him feel like for the first time, like he fit in and was part of something. So like as the audience, you feel, you see kind of both sides. Like I get Lucas feels that way. And like the team is so important to him and it's a hard thing. But then Haley counters with that. And she's like, and if I don't tell Whitey about your heart condition, you're off the planet. The way she says that, I always remember that line for some reason. Because it's in every previously on for the rest of the season, probably. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why it's in my memory, at the very least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and I'm stealing a little bit about what they said on uh, Drama Queen's podcast for this episode, but, like, I entirely agree with this take, though. It's like, why does Lucas care so much about Belaunin now? Because when you think about it, like, he still has the Rivercourt crew. And they were still his friends. Like, right now, he doesn't even have Nathan, like, the quote-unquote, like, popular kid who he befriended. Yeah. Um, he still has Haley. That hasn't changed. Brooke and Peyton are still in his life, and I don't think they would... I don't think they would care if he gave up basketball. I would like to think that about them. So, it just doesn't really track for me. So, yeah, I, I kind of understand that, too. I guess... I mean, he has a lot of people on his side. He always does. But I understand how, like, an organized sport can make you feel like you belong from personal experience. I cannot relate because I've never been a part of an organized sport. <laughs> neither have I. And neither have you. you. Weren't you the equipment manager for some Freshman team? year, I was the, yeah, the manager for the girls lacrosse team. Say. Were, that you, is the only did. thing. And that, you know, that is one little thing that I can relate to. And it was fun to be a part of something. I will. That was why the whole thing was fun, because I was with my friends and it felt like I was part of a team. So I get that. Like the River Court crew, they're great friends. And I know he should feel like he belongs there. But I, I get that like an organized sport, he would maybe feel a little bit differently. Like I'm just trying to look at it at all angles, basically. Yeah. But then um, he's talking to Karen toward the end of the episode, and Karen tells him about how, like, oh, you know what? Like, I just have to work harder. And then that somehow inspires Lucas, like, oh, I'm going to go run suicides in the gym so I can work harder. And I'm just like, I don't really think there's a parallel here. <laughs> it's kind of weak. Yeah. I mean, your body is, you're taking medication that inhibits your performance, which Haley explains that's how it saves your life. So, I don't know. I feel like, how can you work against the medicine? You're not going to be able to do, to do that. It's right. not what's meant to happen. So, Lucas isn't really thinking too clearly. Yeah, I don't think he is either, but... Because it's <sighs> not like, like, let's say he didn't have this heart condition and he wasn't on this medication. Maybe he was lagging at practice and then then it would make sense if he were to then go practice on his own more and train a little bit harder and he could work up to that but like the medicine inhibits that i don't know what his thought process is i get there's like an emotional he's attached to the basketball team there's an emotional attachment there he feels like he belongs and he just can't let that go but like realistically this just doesn't make sense you have a condition yeah, and he also uh, mentions to Haley, and he quotes the Invictus poem, which is also at the included at the end of the episode. He says, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And he's trying to find like some inspiration out of that. And do you want to actually talk about that poem right now? Yeah, we could talk about it. And then it, yeah. it comes back up 
later on the whole the whole poem i believe is read yeah it is mm-hmm. the entire thing yeah so it's in the poem's entitled invictus by william ernest henley i feel like i can't talk about it unless we talk about the coda <laughs> <laughs> okay we can talk about it later though. that's fine <laughs> actually <laughs> all right cool we'll segue into that later is that okay um, yeah, no, totally. Right. Um, do you want to talk about Rachel how, trying to get in everybody's good graces? She's too much. <laughs> she's, tra- <laughs> she's trying here. Because Brooke is uh, is passing notes to Peyton in class about the uh, fantasy boy draft, which we'll talk about later. And then the teacher says, like, oh, is that something you want to share in class? And then that's when Rachel brings up New Jersey versus TLO. And she says, like, oh, you know, it's actually unlawful to uh, search a student's property. Which, by the way, I looked into that case. The uh, the irony of it, though, is that they ended up deciding that it was okay to search students' property. Really? Yeah. So why would they quote that in the episode? So it's, so it's, kind, of, it's kind of interesting. It's like, it's... Yes, it is true. They can only search property if, like, the student's suspected of committing a crime. That part is true. But anyway, the context of this case is that a student was caught smoking cigarettes in 1985. The teachers ended up searching her purse. They found other drugs in there. They found marijuana, a bunch of other shit. And then after that, the student tried to sue the school because, like, oh, you're searching my property, but the officials actually had a reasonable cause to search her purse because she was smoking. So it's like that they ended up deciding like, oh, yeah, you can only search students' property if there is a reasonable cause. But the irony of that case is that like they did lawfully search the property. (laughs) So it it did work in in Brooks' defense, but at the same time, it's just kind of ironic about the actual results of the case. Hmm, That's interesting. Mm hmm. So when she helps out Brooke in class and then she gives Peyton the CD also. Mm hmm. Like, do you think she's being sincere? I think she is. I think, honestly, Rachel is the type of person who just goes with the flow. She's just trying to say, like, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make friends with the people around me. And even, th- like, the way she's treating Brooke is kind of questionable, but she's trying at the end of the day. Also, speaking of that CD that she gives to Peyton, it's a bootleg CD of a NoFX um, album, and... It says on the CD, Drunk in Public, but the real name of that CD is actually Punk and Drublick. That's wild. <laughs> Why would they change it? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's because it's a bootleg, and the bootleg part was, uh... Oh, uh, they changed it slightly, yeah. Yeah, maybe they changed it, like, after the fact, like, once the actual album was released. And um, also, there is a little exchange between Rachel and Payne. You didn't think, you thought there wasn't going to be any dramatic readings in this episode, right? Yeah, you just threw that in there, didn't I you? Just, I just copied and pasted that <laughs> in there for just for you. <laughs> I'm assuming you want to be Rachel. Yes, I do want to be Rachel, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, just for some context, like, uh... Peyton is just saying, like, no, I don't want the CD, blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, I'm Rachel. Peyton, I'm offering to let you borrow a CD. Anything else is your baggage. Honestly, I'm just surprised the cheerleaders into punk. I didn't think anybody was that screwed up. I mean, besides me. Come on, Peyton. I'm trying here. Right. You do realize I'm the one that tackled you at Midnight Madness, right? Yeah, but I heard the rumors. I just figured you were in some, eh? So is this your <laughs> when when Hillary says that uh, the first drama queen's live? <laughs> is this your little reference? Yes. What if uh, 
Peyton and Rachel are endgame. <laughs> yeah, she, her actual words were, I'm, I'm sorry, Caitlin, her actual words were, what if Peyton's endgame was Rachel? <laughs> And Daniel just completely ignores that. I'm just saying, like, Daniel, like, you know, you owe Hillary a huge apology because I still think about that clip, like, <laughs> at least twice a day, okay? I <laughs> <laughs> was so epic when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just wanted to, like, you know, insert the little seed of this in here, okay? I'm just saying, Rachel and Peyton could have been... Endgame, and I would have been here for it. We'll see. Rachel, Rayton, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the setup of this boy draft, the fun shit in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this boy draft madness is <laughs> quite something in this episode. And basically, let me backtrack first. It all starts with Brooke coming up to Lucas at school, and she sees him putting up posters about the basketball fantasy league that Lucas is organizing, and he explains how it works, and then Brooke gets this idea to do the fantasy boy draft. And um, let me tell you a little bit of uh, some fun things. For one thing, the flyer that Lucas puts up, it literally just says, see Lucas Scott, and I'm sorry, is that how drafts work? Like... Is that how fantasy drafts work? It just says, hey, see this random student that you probably don't know. Well, fantasy drafts, I don't know really how they used to work, but now all that stuff is like online and everything. So... I just thought it was funny. It says, see Lucas Scott to sign up. Also, like other flyers <laughs> that are surrounded there, um, because I like to pay attention to this shit. There is a flyer for a pancake party. <laughs> and it says, come stuff your pie hole. <laughs> I'm like, what is a pancake party? I want to go to one. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> anyway. I love it. <laughs> anyway, go. Continue talking about the important shit. <laughs> well, you. before we get deeper into the fantasy boy draft that Brooke <laughs> comes up with, I want to first talk about the conversation that really started it all. Brooke comes up to Lucas and actually apologizes for the previous night about, or the other night. I don't know how far along this was from the last episode. <laughs> who, who knows? But um, <laughs> she apologizes for how she acted. Because if we remember in 305, she basically tells him that, like, he should have read her mind and she wants him to fight for her and yada, yada, yada. Call it what it is. Yeah, that, that's really what it is. So I'm glad that she apologized to him. Because, yes. like we talked about in the previous episode... It wasn't really fair for her to say that. So I'm glad she acknowledged it. And then she actually says, like, I have feelings for you. And then Lucas replies and says, you know, you have to just let me be that guy that you want me to be. And I I really like that conversation. Yeah. We don't get much more from them in this episode because things go downhill with this fantasy boy draft. Very, very quickly, actually. (laughs) But I thought it started off nicely because I feel like a lot of times in TV shows and even really in this show, like they just kind of would skip over this apology. And I'm, I'm glad that Brooke acknowledged it. Yeah, it was very sweet. It was good that she did that for sure. But anyway, that whole conversation plants the seeds of the whole fantasy draft aspect of it. 
But then Brooke gets wins that there will be no more cheerleading squad if the cheerleaders keep fighting over boys. Which I gotta say, like, let me talk about the double standard. The boys are fucking fighting too. And why are the girls getting punished? Yeah, I know. All of a sudden, there won't be any cheer squad if, like, you know, the, the team can't keep it together. So I just gotta call out the obvious, obvious sexism there. It's fucked up. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there were fights <laughs> at Midnight Madness on both ends, like both teams, mm-hmm. cheerleading and basketball. And it's interesting that we see this cat fight between Bevan and another girl over, <laughs> I guess it was over skills or was it over another guy? It was over, It was over, definitely over another guy. Yeah, yeah I thought it was. Oh, okay. I think it was Shabar. I feel like that's the name that's just like popping out to me. <laughs> Maybe. I just thought it was funny how, like, Bevan and the one girl are saying, like, she knows I like him. And then Bevan's like, it's too bad he doesn't like whores. (laughs) (laughs) It was very dramatic. Problematic language, but still, like, I just thought it was just so funny seeing, seeing, like, Bevan just scream. He's not into whores. Yeah, it was quite comical. So, Brooke, her only idea is to set up a fantasy boy draft where basically each cheerleader picks... A boy to date the rest of the school year, which will hopefully prevent future fights between the girls. And, you know, this this is an interesting idea because teenage girls are expected to choose one and that's it for the rest of the year. Like, what if you don't get along with this person? Like, you date them and then you just don't want to date anymore. So, I mean, I think it's a good concept for the, the show. But if I think about it too hard, in reality, it's like, this would never work. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But anyway, each uh, each cheerleader's assigned a number. So they uh, they had to figure out the order of like who gets to pick the boys first. It's Peyton, and then Brooke, and then I believe it's Bevan, right? Bevan, then Haley, then Rachel. Yeah, And everybody so. else who's like, inconsequential. <laughs> but yeah, I said, uh, and... The girls ask, like, and what if we don't follow through with this? And then Brooke is like, well, if you don't follow through with this, I am going to out you for all of your dirty little secrets. Included one of them being that, like, uh, two of the girls in the cheerleading squad made out with each other. Which, come on, Brooke, don't do that. I know, like, what... It's just funny how, like, there was this reference in season three, yet the previous season we had a bisexual character... Like, why are we taking a step back with this little reference? It's so it's so weird. Like, as the as the queer of this podcast, I didn't even pick up on that. But yes, you are absolutely right. Like, why make a homophobic joke? And there are more to come in the in the next episode, actually, which we will talk about. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Interesting. But anyway, the girls throughout the episode, they discuss their draft picks. Uh, Bevan is interested in skills, and she's, like, kind of stalking him. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. <laughs> skills is at the water fountain. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to touch the skills hills? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then it's all a fantasy in Bevan's head. Yes. I thought that was real, and I'm like, no way, this can't be real. I'm like, oh, okay. When I rewatched this recently, I, was, <laughs> I genuinely thought it was a real thing. So other than Bevan, uh, Rachel has Brooke believe that she's going to pick Chris Keller, because Brooke hypnotizes Bevan into telling her. <laughs> so 
Brooke thinks that Rachel's gonna pick Chris, and that's how she comes up with the bright idea to steal Chris from Rachel, just to, like, get in her face, which is so, so high school. And I know that we are talking about a high school show, <laughs> but still. So, I, it's just interesting to me that Brooke would, like, she... <laughs> this all starts because she doesn't want the cheerleaders fighting. And then now... Everyone's going to choose someone and she's going to take this opportunity. Like she now cares more about getting back at Rachel than choosing Lucas. It doesn't feel like it fits. But she has the number two pick. She's getting Chris fairly. I don't actually believe that. You're looking at me with like the most disappointed look on your face. I don't actually believe that. That was a joke, Caitlin. I promise you. (laughs) I don't know. It's like her need to screw over Rachel is greater than... Her actually, like, securing Lucas, basically. Like, Mm -hmm. Lucas wants to be with her. She admits that she has feelings for him. It's the only... She's a number two pick, but she's still rather screw over Rachel. And I Mm -hmm. guess the reason she's going to do that is because then Haley can pick... I think, actually, Haley was the number three pick. I don't really remember. No, it was was Bevan. And that it was Haley. And then it was Rachel. I know okay. this because of the, yeah, it's a little I know confusing. This because of the rapid fire thing later. But <laughs> Haley was going to choose Lucas so that Brooke could have Lucas. So Brooke and Haley could swap. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Well, not really to swap because Haley doesn't want Chris. She wants Nathan. But remember, Peyton Ow, is annoyed yeah, be- with Haley still. Yes. And. She actually finds out that Haley and Chris are recording, so she's she's even more annoyed than she's been with Haley. Mm-hmm. And in order to spite her, she says she's going to choose Nathan, and she's and Peyton has the number one pick. So it's very convoluted, all of this. I don't think Peyton was just trying to spite Haley. I think she was also trying to keep Nathan safe because if you remember, there's a uh, there's a scene where she's talking to Nathan, and then she's like, "Yeah, if you don't want to be chosen by Haley, I can pick you, so you can be." safe from her essentially but she didn't give him the option we never actually saw the result of that conversation that's the thing we never get an answer so then the next scene that we see involving this whole thing Peyton says to Haley that she's going in a like dramatic fashion she tells Haley that she's gonna choose Nathan because remember Mm -hmm. the other cheerleaders were asking Haley if Nathan's off off limits and then Peyton comes up and she's like well I'm choosing him so I think, like, it started off she was going to protect Nathan, but we actually don't hear Nathan's answer. And he right. clearly, his answer must have been no, because Peyton didn't pick him. She picked yeah. Mouth. So I'm well, assuming Nathan said no. I mean, you don't have to pick me. There's actually a little bit more uh, context into this in uh, Peyton's podcast for this episode. Um, so one of the things that she says is that, like, she gets a little bit more insight into, like, why she's so mad at Haley. Uh, essentially, she's jealous of the fact that Haley can fight for someone who is right there. Like, she can fight for Nathan, who is, like, right there, like, in the same school as her. She can't do that for Jake. Like, uh, Peyton can't fight for Jake in the same way Haley can fight for Nathan. So in a way, like, her anger's, like, a little bit displaced. Yeah. So, I feel like that makes a little bit more sense, um you know, listening to her thoughts on the podcast. So yeah, like, for all we know, yeah, maybe Nathan did say no. But then the turning point for Peyton is when Haley comes up to her and says, 
hey, listen, like, Nathan and I belong together. I know that, you know that, pretty soon everybody else is going to know that. And that's the turning point that makes uh, Peyton decide not to ultimately to pick Nathan for the boy draft, because she realizes, like, okay, fine, you're fighting for your husband, it's about fucking time. Yeah, there's a lot of parts to this whole storyline. Between the unfinished conversation, between her, Peyton, being spiteful in one moment, and then acknowledging Haley's feelings, you know, in another moment, like you just said. Mm -hmm. So, it kind of leaves you wondering, but yeah, ultimately, she believes Haley wants to fight for her relationship with Nathan, and and she doesn't choose him. And we also, for all we know, Nathan could have also said no. And then... Wait, Peyton chooses Mouth. <laughs> and I love how Mouth is outside. He's like, yeah, first pick. <laughs> it was so cute. I thought that was absolutely adorable. <laughs> yes. A nice confidence boost for Mouth. I love it. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and he spends the entire episode thinking that, like, uh, he's wondering if he's going to get picked. And you saw, like, you know, the girls were taking pictures of, like, all the all the eligible bachelors, essentially. And then this one girl, she's about to take a picture of Mouth, and she's like, uh, Mouth, can you get out of the way for a second? Yeah, it's really mean. Yes, so mean. Anyway, Peyton picks Mouth, and then Brooke picks Chris Keller. Because she doesn't think. She is so focused on Chris Keller and screwing over Rachel, she doesn't think, oh, well, Peyton changed her mind. That, like, throws everything off. Yeah, Haley even says, like, Brooke, like, we, we gotta talk since uh, Peyton didn't take, pick Nathan. Like, well, what do we do now? I know. Uh, so, and then she just, like, is so hyper-fixated on just, like, you know, getting on Rachel's nerves. And then, um, all of a sudden, Bevan is up next. And then Bevan's like, actually, there's been a trade because there was a miscommunication about switching. Um, Bevan switched the slots of the draft, not the boys, after the fact. And she decides to take Rachel's spot because five is greater than three. (laughs) Oh, Bevan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, such a shame. But Rachel picks Lucas. I like how he always like, okay, fine, I'm taking Nathan. (laughs) Yep. So literally Peyton choosing mouth set everything else off. And then Bevan picks skills. (laughs) But yeah, I just thought it was just so hilarious. I like, you know, I, I don't know, like, uh, Bethany Joy Ladd just has this, like, look on her face when she selects Nathan. She just says, like, okay, well, the hell with this. All right, I'm picking Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas is taken fine. Like, nothing else I can do. And on Drama Queens, they talk about how hard it was to film this scene because there were so many people in one small room and they all had to basically know everyone else's lines to know what to say and when to say it and the, the whole comedic timing and everything. And I, I can imagine that was a very difficult scene. Yeah, the comedic time, it has to be fast. Um, the other thing they mentioned on Drama Queens, which, like, I kind of, like, lost my shit. This isn't going to mean anything to you. But the person who's actually, like, you know, announcing the draft picks, um, the actress's name is Juliana Gill. And I lost my shit because I had no idea that was her. I've seen, like, dozens of movies with her. I actually really like this actress. But she looks so different because she's only, like, 18 here. And I was like, holy shit. Had no idea it was her. What movie is she in that you like? The only thing that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, the Friday the 13th remake, which she is stupendous in, and that is a niche joke that I make in with that adjective that 
people who saw the movie will understand that I'm not going to explain it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I saw that, so... If, if you understand this reference, uh, send us a knife emoji on social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I'll know what it is. Caitlin so will not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, Jeremy handles our social media. <laughs> and you know it. You all know it. <laughs> Oh, what can I, what can I say? <laughs> Caitlin writes all the recaps. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we balance each other out. And the show uh. notes. <laughs> yes, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you do the second round of edits. Nobody care. Does anybody care about this info? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like hyping each other up. Anyhow, um... So we know everybody's a uh, boy traffic. So let's talk about this coda. So we hear the song Rewind by Stereophonics, which I really love this song. It's pretty good. And this song was in another, I think it was in Friday Night Lights. I know it was in another show that I, I liked. And I, I don't know. I really like the song. It's just like about thinking back on your life. And I don't know, this nostalgic part of me love songs like this. So... I make you think. And I think it fits really well in the moment, too. Love it. Because everyone's kind of at a crossroads right now. I feel like they're always at a crossroads, though. (laughs) So we get, uh, we kick ourselves off at the gym where Lucas is running suicides and he fails to meet the time limits. And we're outside Karen's cafe. Deb and Karen give free coffee in exchange for putting a Karen Row for Mayor bumper sticker on the back of a truck. Oh, she owns Anne there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Anyhow>. <laughs> <laughs> we go to Brooke and Haley's apartment. Brooke types up the fantasy boy draft results and hesitates before putting Lucas's name next to Rachel's. That was so sad, but you did it to yourself, Brooke. She did because she was, it was more important about Odin up to, it was more important to be mean to Rachel and to continue this war. Seriously. Sigh. Uh, we are now in Peyton's room. Peyton hangs up a drawing of Ellie next to drawings of Jake and her mother's gravestone. Above the illustrations sits the words, where are they now? This is where the Lucas's uh, voiceover of the Headley poem begins. And uh, is this the part where you want to talk about the poem? Yeah, this is Caitlin's lit crit segment. (laughs) (laughs) I I made you sound like a puppy. I don't know. (laughs) So we have the poem Invictus by William Ernest Henley. And the whole poem is read throughout Lucas running in the gym. I just love this whole segment, I have to say. There's like such a tension. The timer is ticking and you hear this poem in the background about... Not giving up and not letting yourself, like, be conquered, basically, by whatever the circumstances may be. And I think it really fits the moment because I think it fits Lucas's, like, internal struggle right now. He's conflicted about his HCM and being on the team and lagging behind in practice. And he really wants to, like, do better. But it's not really possible for the reasons that we already stated earlier. And I I found this poem to be really interesting because I read a little background about it. And apparently the author wrote this 
in response to like recovering from a leg amputation. So apparently he had his leg amputated and then he was told that he would have to get the other one amputated too. So then he goes to a surgeon and that surgeon is able to save his leg. And as the author's recovering, he writes Invictus basically about, you know, facing adversity and overcoming that, which I think we can definitely relate to like Lucas's struggle right now because he's trying so hard to keep up at practice and to be a good basketball player. But at the same time, like he's being told one thing, like you can't do this. You should not be on the team because of your heart condition. But he doesn't want to listen to that and he wants to keep going. So I think there is like a loose connection to like what the author was going through and being told one thing, but then kind of ultimately he didn't have to go through with removing his other leg. Like he was able to recover and yeah. Now I've been talking too much. (laughs) I I just don't feel the connection really though, because um, Henley essentially, he heard from the doctor, the doctor said, you're going to get your other leg amputated. And then Headley just didn't want to take that answer, so he decided to go to another doctor, where he got the care, where he didn't have to get his leg amputated. I don't really understand how yeah. Lucas is feeling... Okay, I can understand why Lucas, like, in his stupid teenage boy mindset is inspired by this poem. But overall, like, you know, us as the audience, I feel like we know a little bit better, given the context about what happens and the... or what happened to Henley. I just don't understand, like... Him playing basketball is not the equivalent of him going to of Henley going to see another doctor. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, but the show is trying to make them make there be a loose connection. <laughs> very, very loose between the two. Um, like it, it's just about Lucas like not wanting to listen to real advice versus like real advice not to push yourself in the, in basketball versus. Henley, the author, who's basically just got a second opinion and was able to, you know, was able to save his leg in in the end. So I think there's a a loose connection that they're trying to make here. But yeah, I I agree with you. It's it's not like uh, I feel like did the right thing. And and here's the thing, like, Henley, you know, Henley could have went to a second doctor or a third doctor, and they could have said, like, sorry, but your leg will definitely have to be amputated. You know what? He probably would have been like, okay, like. Okay. <laughs> whatever. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, at your leg amputated, you wouldn't just be like, whatever. But, yeah. Especially you know, in the 1800s. <laughs> exactly. And it was, uh, it was due to tuberculosis, right? That's why he had the. To... Yes. There were complications with that. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, I can understand why Lucas and his teenage boy mentality, like, felt connected to the poem, but I just feel like it's a really, like,. It's a problematic message to send, if you think about it. Yeah. Because, like, Lucas is like, oh, we're gonna play basketball anyway and die. Like, I don't really think there is a second opinion about his HCM. So, I like the message, the overall general message of, like, overcoming adversity, which is what the poem is all about. Lucas quotes the line, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. Yeah. I like that idea of someone, like, feeling like they are in control of their life. And I think Lucas, he desperately wants to be in control, but these particular circumstances he cannot control, no matter how hard he how hard he tries. So it's like it's a mixed message. Like I like what the poem is saying, 
but it doesn't really relate to his situation. He has a health condition. He's risking his life playing basketball. End of story. Yeah. I think I have some more thoughts to say in the spoiler segments. Okay. <laughs> Which we can, uh, we can unpack those a little bit later. But until then, we are in Karen's Cafe, and this is where Haley puts a sticker of the word Scots next to her name on the map painted on the wall. Aw, I love it. And then we're in the gym locker room. Nathan gathers his things before leaving. And then we're back to the gym, where Lucas, the master of his fate, continues running suicides. So what was your favorite quote? So my favorite quote is all related to that. I I liked the poem. That was my favorite part of it. And specifically the line, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Just because it, oh. it gives me it gives me all the feels. That this that particular scene, it just it gives me all the feels. As simple okay, as that. Okay. What about you? Um, mine's a little bit uh a little bit subtle, but this is in response to when uh, Haley tells Peyton, uh, thank you for not picking Nathan. And then Peyton responds with, It wasn't me, it was you. It's about time you started to fight for your husbands. I just thought that was cute. It was like a good little turning point for their friendship, you know. Yeah, that is a good that was a good moment. But I have an honorable mention as well. Go for it. It's not actually in the episode, it is in Peyton's podcast. Um <laughs> So, in this uh, episode of Peyton's podcast, uh, she talks She talks about how, like, you know, girls are always fighting over boys, and then she says, I turn on the TV and I see people fighting for human rights, or people fighting for a bottle of water so they don't die of thirst, and I think, at least they're fighting for something real, but fighting over boys? It's pretty lame. I just thought that was a really cute, like, moment. Yeah, that's really nice. So... Yes. Everybody, listen to Peyton's podcast on Podomatic or Apple. <laughs> it's yes. pretty interesting. But what was your favorite musical moments? I loved Rewind by Stereophonics, which is the okay. coda. That's my favorite. The coda. And I just love that song in general, but I did like the mu- the moment, too. Yes. I liked Please, Please, Please by the Shout Out Louds, and that's a song that plays or the uh, whole montage of the boys like being all stepfordish with the girls like flexing and shit and doing stupid shit <laughs> yeah that's a fun one i don't know it's a it's a fun song in general but yes but not enough to save the episode for me um i did enjoy this episode but i give it three out of five clothing designs to show the corporate monkeys at suburban filth and that's a little shout out to the fact that brooks uh, clothing designs are getting shown to the big big wigs at suburban filth that was a little throwaway line. Could mean something later. I don't know. But anyway, the episode is it, its just fine for me. It's, you know, I had a few issues with it regards to the poem connection and just in general, like, I don't i don't really like Brooke. I'm not really liking Brooke this season. <laughs> There's a lot of moments where I feel like she's very flawed. But yeah, what's your score? I'm surprised you give it a three. Okay. Hmm. Sorry. That's, that's surprising. I give it four out of five laxatives in your coffee. Oh no! <laughs> Coffee already makes me. I know, food. right? It's like a double laxative. <laughs> <laughs> I always look forward to this episode in season three. It's a fun one. Um, yes, Brooke is frustrating for sure, and I know we just dissected the poem, but I do like the inclusion of the poem. It's just always stuck out to me. Um, that final like coda with the montage of scenes. It. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I really love the next episode, though. Oh, it's a good one too. 
<laughs> so this is kind of like a two-parter. Um, yes, it is. If you think about it. Um, I definitely think part two is better than part one, but we're not going to talk about that now. We'll save that for the spoiler segment and for the next episode. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. Okay, so the thing I uh, alluded to earlier with uh, with Lucas and the connection to the Henley poem, um, in season four, he ends up figuring out that he can uh, he can still play on the team, but only for like a couple minutes per game. So in a way, that could be his way of like going to a different doctor to make sure his leg doesn't get amputated. So maybe that there is like a full circle moment that. I thought about that, like, as I was, like, really fighting you over the poem. Yeah, that's a good point. And it just makes me wonder, like, was that intentional? I'm not sure. Like, there's a way to overcome even the toughest of circumstances. Yeah. I guess that that was his way. Yeah, that's a good, that's a valid point. So, maybe this poem actually is, like, a deeper meaning, but, like, I'm just saying, like, right now, in the context of, like, just this one episode alone, I hate it. I'm like, dude, (laughs) get your proper treatment, please. So, yes, I get that in reality, but, like, in the world of the show, I like the inclusion of the poem. Yeah. I I can't help but like it. Yeah. But (laughs) let's talk a little bit about the next episode. Oh, there's some there's some good Brooke lines in this one. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Real? Oh, I can't think of any. Don't tell me now. Maybe we should save it. <laughs> she's just funny in this. She's all like yes. flustered because she's on a date with Chris, <laughs> and it's, to me, it's hilarious. Um, I didn't finish uh, listening to the episode of uh, Drama Queens yet, but I started to. Uh, but apparently there's a scene where uh, Chris enters the apartment, and apparently Sophia, not Brooke, but Sophia, can't stop laughing. Like, she's you can actually see her, like, visibly laughing, like, in the background. And, like, uh, Hillary and Joy said that told us to, like, look for it. <laughs> oh, that's I'm, funny. I'm gonna make, like, a conscious effort to, like, look out for that moment. Apparently she's, like, really smiling because she just, apparently Tyler Hilton's just funny. well the stuff that chris gets to say is oh my god i love it (laughs) yes uh then brooke sleeps with him and then there's a whole slut shaman campaign which i don't like really yeah that's gonna be we're going to be talking about that soon that's for sure yeah because 
I just don't understand, like, why is it such a big deal that Brooke slept with somebody? As opposed to, like, Lucas, who, like, emotionally cheated with Peyton. And they try to make the parallel that, like, oh, what Brooke did was worse because she slept with him. Because there's even an episode where Lucas says, like, you know, I didn't sleep with Peyton. And, again, who who gives a fuck? Like, Chris doesn't mean anything to Brooke. Yeah. (sighs) It's a tough one. Basically, I feel like Brooke sleeping with Chris is just a way to push Lucas away even more. Or at least Lucas is seeing it in that way. And that's why I think he's so upset. Because it's like, he has made it so clear that he wants to be with her. And he's trying and he wants to be exclusive. And he keeps saying that. Brooke sleeping with Chris paired with the fact that Brooke didn't pick Lucas for the boy draft is hurtful. Like, those two things together. Okay. Fair. Oh, Jeremy has nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. (laughs) It's like, normally I can't get Jeremy to shut the fuck up. (laughs) And now here they are. Um, Yeah, I don't... I I guess I can feel two two things at once. Yeah. I think there is definitely, like, that double standard. Like, they're expecting... Like, Lucas did one thing, and now Brooke did another thing and it's like they're being compared and like one is being made to be worse than the other and it's tough i even remember like back in 2005 like when this because i watched this episode in real time i even remember having that mindset like i was 15 and stupid at that point um but i even remember thinking like oh no brooke slept with chris this is way way worse this is worse than what lucas did and it was because i had i didn't have a fully formed brain i didn't understand that shit yeah you know and I feel like that's a lot to unpack of, like, you know, as far as society is concerned. Because that's definitely a 2005 mindset. I feel like people watching this today, it's like, who who cares that she slept with Chris? Because, like, they technically were not together. Yeah. They weren't together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I just think that two things paired together was just really hurtful, which is understandable. Maybe, but... In the next episode, we shall talk about it, and maybe we'll pop some bottles of champagne, and I will give us some champagne for my real friends. Notice I'm saying friends, because in the next episode, we are going to have a special guest. So we are going to have champagne together. We're probably not going to actually have champagne together, listeners. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get your your hopes up. (laughs) (laughs) but i would offer champagne for my real friends and real pain for my sham friends that is a very long-winded way for me to say that next time we are talking about season three episode seven champagne for my real friends real pain for my sham friends (laughs) that's a tough one (laughs) (laughs) and taken from our oth dvd box sets first came the draft now comes the date night And the happiest pairing is, surprise, Peyton and Mouth. Things aren't happy for Deb and Karen. They spend the evening stranded on a billboard. I forgot about that part. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so looking forward to that. Deb and Karen are going to come on a date. I love the Peyton and Mouth stuff, too. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway. um, We'll be seeing seeing (laughs) y'all. Was that actually in sync? I guess we'll find out when we no. edit this. <laughs> just, just make me think it is, okay? <laughs> All right, Jeremy.